0: Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schneck. Very much looking forward to today's conversation. As you all know, I guess the heavy majority of the business-oriented conversations we have on this show are around leadership. And leadership development and recruiting and training and Honing and developing your leaders and so today's conversation is a gentle spin on that it's a with all of these conversations I've had in and around leadership uh, what we're going to talk about today is uh, What I have seen as a very critical trend and it's going to be fun to just dive in very specifically on this topic of of coaching As kind of the new way of being a modern business leader. So it promises to be a very intriguing conversation. Say hello to my guest. His name is Greg Thompson. He is the president of Blue Point Leadership Development and the author of a new book called The Master Coach Leading with Character, Building Connections, and Engaging in Extraordinary Conversations. Greg, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Todd. It's an honor
0: to be here. Now the honor's mine. I appreciate you carving out some time to uh, join us today. I know you're awfully busy, so appreciate you stopping by. Greg, before we get into a conversation around this book, do take a, a quick minute or two and tell us a bit about you, your background and the work that the Blue Point Leadership Development is out there doing.
1: Thank you, Todd. I am uh, the president of BluePoint Leadership Development. First of all, we are an organization that focuses strictly on the area of leadership, leadership learning, leadership development. We are a group of uh, facilitators and coaches who create leadership development programs for some of the finest uh, organizations on the planet. We're honored to work for large global organizations and to work with their leaders at all levels to help them increase their leadership and uh, specifically their coaching skills. My background is in organization development. I also have an engineering background. I have been working as an executive leadership coach and facilitator probably for over the last uh, 25 years.
0: Outstanding. Well, appreciate again you stopping by and, and... <laughs> I guess the first question I want to ask—I ask some variant of this question with most of my guests because let's be honest, most of my guests have written on a subject that, eh, frankly, if you go to Amazon and you search for that subject, there's a lot of titles. And certainly, if you go to Amazon and you say, "Hey, I want to—I want to learn more about being a better leader or a more effective leader or develop those leadership skills," or and let's be honest in this new trend of thinking uh, as as your book is all about in leadership as as a coach now there's a lot of titles out there so so why did uh, Greg have to put this book out there
1: Well there's a lot of uh, really uh, good books on coaching today many uh, uh, authors have done a excellent job of helping leaders understand the interpersonal skills, the processes, the approaches that they need to employ when coaching. I think what, what a lot of people have missed, though, and this is fundamental to helping leaders become more coach-like in their work, what they've missed is the idea that it's much, much more important to be a coach and to learn how to be coach-like as opposed to actually doing coaching. I find it unfortunate when a, a really great leader goes to a, a coach training program, comes back into the organization and, you know, metaphorically walks through the hallway zapping coaching at people. And it's, you know, has this five-step or the six-step process in their head and they're just driving people through these, uh, these steps, it, it really is ineffective. Now, there's lots of good interpersonal skills and coaching skills and processes that we need to learn, but it is uh, much, much more important that leaders today recognize that who they are, their character, is much, much more important than the specific processes or steps they go through in coaching.
0: And I think it's important to set the foundation here of why this whole message of the book, The Master Coach, is important, because I think there is still surprisingly, horrifyingly in my opinion, too many people out there who think the role of a leader is to say, I'm in charge and I'm going to bark orders and I expect and demand that my people follow those instructions. And, and that may be the very, very, very old school mode of, of leadership, but it's that's not exactly what I think, and what I suspect you believe is the true definition of the modern leader. Can can you explain uh, the difference between that top-down "do what I say" model versus the, what what I think we agree on is probably the modern way to be a leader? And then that makes it a lot easier to understand why developing coaching skills and coaching ability is so critically important.
1: Absolutely, and it's interesting is that. There's another piece right in between there that is, is really the insidious enemy of coaching, and that's kind of halfway between directing and coaching. It's this idea of giving advice. Now you're right. I mean, the idea of being extraordinarily directive as as a leader is, as most authors and researchers and and organizational specialists would recognize, is becoming pretty uh, ineffectual. But well, here's here's the real problem. Is that leaders then, who think they are, are, are becoming more effective and trying to shift to become more contemporary, are looking at becoming more as advisors? And the problem is is, is we are mistaking advising with coaching. And if you, if you ask leaders, and we've asked thousands and thousands of leaders to go back in their history and identify, Somebody, somebody who was at the crossroads for them, somebody who was really uh, impactful in helping them make a shift in their thinking, their work, their career, something. And describe the qualities of that person. And it's fascinating. Never, ever does somebody say, well, somebody gave me directions or somebody told me what to do. And this is the real fascinating one. We almost never, ever hear that somebody gave me a nifty piece of advice And most of our organizations uh, have leaders that are just prolific in the organization that consider their advice, giving advice all day long as coaching. And real coaching is something different than that. So your directing is really the enemy of coaching, but it's getting to be an ancient enemy. The real enemy of coaching today in organizations is the advice giver. And it's not that advice isn't, isn't important and valuable. It's just that it doesn't take the place of true coaching.
0: Well, gosh, Greg, I, I'm thinking now it's fascinating to hear you say that. Because how much business thought leadership has there been over, I don't know, maybe the last five-ish years or so where they said the ultimate goal is not to be this top-down manager, but is to be this, quote, trusted advisor. I mean, I, I see so many articles and books about this idea of becoming the trusted advisor. And let's be honest, a lot of that is perhaps in the context of being in sales. And yeah, I guess you do want to be a trusted advisor when you're trying to move a large, complex business opportunity. But I, I think that's – so it sounds like – that's there's there's a clear distinction between being an advisor and a coach. Can you for someone listening who is saying all right i I want to get into this, I want to understand it, but I'm still confused. Can you just very clearly signify the difference between an advisor and a coach?
1: well, it, some of it really starts with fundamental intention. I like to give advice. We all like to give advice. I mean, I, uh, you know, my ego is wrapped up in that. I'm an executive leadership coach, and so I love to give my clients advice if I've got some really good perspective that I think I could share with them. I mean, that feeds into my ego and my self-image and the like. Uh, and it's not that advice is never, never helpful. It's just that it has such limited uh, impact. And the way that, to, to understand that is just to think about all the advice that we get all day long. We get an advice all day long, how much that really impacts us. Almost not at all. Very, very little. Now, if you, but if you ask people, like, who really had an impact on you and what did they do? It's never giving advice. It is about things like somebody encouraged me, somebody challenged me, somebody just really listened to me. Somebody told me a hard truth. Somebody told me something that no one else cared enough about me to, to uh, confront me with. Somebody saw something in me I couldn't even see in myself. Now, this one is fascinating. Is that, that as I mentioned just earlier, I'm an executive leadership coach, and I have the great honor of working with men and women that are quite senior, and most of them are closer to the ends of their careers than the beginning of their careers. And you know, when they reflect back on their beginnings, almost every one of them can identify that person who saw something in them they couldn't even see in themselves. Somebody who had confidence in them, somebody who gave them a new perspective in some way, and this is not giving you advice. Giving advice is coming out of our expertise and our own expertise and our experience. The great coach always assumes that the person they're coaching is the expert. They're not the expert. They're always assuming the other person is the expert on becoming the best version of themselves or the best leader or the best worker, uh, or the best delivery man or the best salesperson. The, it is this, this idea that is fundamental. Now here is the issue, is that that perspective, has been held by external professional coaches for years. And they have become they are very effective because they really can't give advice. I can't give advice to my clients. I mean they know more about me about sorry about their domain, their workplace, their organization, uh their competitors than I'll ever know. So I can't really function as an advisor. I need to function as, as a more pure coach. Here's the magic is it increasingly you talked about leaders of the future. Increasingly, the, the great leaders in organizations are recognizing that they can shift beyond being the advisor and the director and even the mentor and to shift to become much more coach-like in all that they do. And I, I truly believe this is the powerful leader of the future.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with you. So coach those that are listening who are in a position of leadership, whether leading an organization or leading a team or a division or a department, what have you. Or frankly, even themselves, and, and someone comes up to them and says, hey, boss, I need some advice. I, I imagine most people are doing it wrong, and they're probably thinking I'm doing this person good service by giving them advice, but how should they answer that? How should they position and frame their answer?
1: I would really encourage them to give them the, the advice. If you've got some perspective, advice, some expertise, some experience that you can share with this person, please, uh, please do so. Here's the, the thing that most of us stop at that. And most of us then give the advice and leave the advice as the end of the conversation. Here's what I encourage leaders to do is, sure, give the advice. If you have a perspective, you've got some uh, expertise, if you've got some knowledge that would be helpful to the person, please feel free to share that. Understand at that moment that you're probably, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, you're probably providing them assistance at a 6 level. So you want to move to a 9 and a 10. Then I would encourage you to, and this is what the great leaders do, then they can shift into coaching mode. And coaching mode would then be to challenge the person, okay, this is how I would, would do it, but my guess is you can do it 10 times better than I can. How can you use all your talents to take it, this in a whole new direction? Here, I've shared with you the best that I know of it, but my guess is you can add to that and do something really special with this. So the, the, the true leader coach doesn't stop at giving advice. They see themselves as a catalyst for thinking and learning and development beyond that. The, the the difference really is the the great leader coach sees every conversation differently even if you know somebody comes to them for advice or they're having a, a conversation after a meeting they see the conversation as an opportunity for the other person to leave the conversation better in some some way you know leave with a new perspective leave challenged leave inspired leave with doubt something changes as a result of that conversation see we're so limited when all we've got in our tool chest is some a piece of advice that we can kind of hand out, like uh, uh, like chocolate bars. There's m- there's much more that we can do as leaders.
0: Yeah, and boy, that's where you become a, 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 such an influence in a positive way on on someone in their career. It's fascinating. One quick final question before we get into uh, the, the meat of this book. After we take this break, is there's a lot of people out there that that are maybe resistant to being coached or or even the idea of it is well i know what i'm doing uh, how, how do you how do you as someone who is in a position to be coached by someone who was doing it correctly and with the best and sincerest uh, of, of love and intention is is taking good coaching and, and being receptive to it and and seeing that as a gift and not as a parental teaching you morals and lessons positioning
1: yeah it, it- that is uh, that's interesting, and, and you know I I recognize that not everybody at every moment in their life is really interested in you know a deep conversation about their learning and their opportunities for growth and change and career development. Uh, the however is this, is that, and I've asked this question uh, literally of thousands and thousands of uh, of participants in workshops and at speeches and the like. And the question is this: If there was somebody in your organization who you really trusted, I mean you just really trusted this person, and you knew that they really wanted the very best for you. They wanted the very, very best for you. And you just you respected this person for who he or she was. And they came to you, and they said, Listen, I have some, some feedback uh, for you that I think would be helpful. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to, to, be, to see what you might do with this, this, uh, this feedback. Would you want that person to come to you privately and start that conversation? I can tell you 95% of us put our hands up. See, here's here's the, the 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 bad news and the difficult thing for most of us in the organization is that this person, most of the people we see as being uncoachable. It's not that they're uncoachable. Uh, it's not that they're uncoachable. It's really easy for us to say well that person's uncoachable or doesn't want coaching. It's just it's 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 that we have not earned the right to coach that person. Mm. We haven't we're not the kind of leader that would be welcomed into that conversation. And can you imagine being the kind of leader that would be invited into those kinds of conversations? This is a challenge for us. This is why being a coach uh, as a a leader is much, much more about who you are than about, you know, the the actual coaching process that you use.
0: Well, that's in essence what we were talking about earlier, that just because you are, quote, the boss – you you haven't earned that right and you haven't earned that trust necessarily to just bark orders and and, and dispense advice and and be and, and be a coach i mean you, you have you as you said you have to earn that and boy that's where that's where magic begins to happen in terms of how an organization gels and, and does its important work all right greg thompson and i will return after this short break where we're going to dive into the the three core dimensions of coaching the the model that in essence uh, steers uh, his book the master coach we'll be right back In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, we're back with Greg Thompson, the author of a new book called The Master Coach. All right, so Greg, as I promised before the break, we're going to dive into the three core dimensions of your coaching model. So walk us through those. Certainly, thanks, Todd. The first
1: dimension is this idea of character. Uh, it's one of the three dimensions of coaching: character, connection, and conversation. I'd really encourage you to think about these not as a, uh, a narrow model, but a universal, timeless way that any one of us really needs to look at how we can become a catalyst for high performance and career acceleration in any organization. So regardless of whether or not you are a a supervisor on a McDonald's uh, shift line or whether or not you're a CEO of a large corporation, these are the three dimensions that we all uh, need to attend to. The first one being character, this is this idea of earning the right to coach. This is the idea that it is much more, more important who we are and who other people see us uh... it really starts with this idea we call noble intention and noble intention means that whatever we're doing in the conversation is for the benefit of the other person we all have a healthy degree of uh... self-interest and we have conversations all day long i want to learn i want to be entertained i want to relate to you i want to influence you there's lots of i want going on there's something different when a person is involved in a coaching relationship and conversation in that it is all about the other person. And so we call that a noble intention. Connection, the second uh, dimension, is this idea that a coaching relationship is a different kind of relationship. I have 25, 30-year relationships with people that are really good. They're folks I enjoy spending time with. We share common interests, but I wouldn't consider it to be a coaching connection. A coaching connection is something different, and it can be established very, very quickly. A coaching connection is really this idea. If you look, think about it as a, as a pipe, a, a large diameter or a narrow diameter pipe between you and me, the larger the diameter of that pipe, the more you hear me, really hear me, the more that I hear you, really hear you. I move, you move, because we're connected by that pipe. And the last one is the idea of the conversation. A coaching conversation is a different kind of conversation. Sometimes we call it a dangerous conversation. Not dangerous because anybody's going to get hurt, but dangerous because it it, uh, charts out new territory. It goes into places that are sometimes uncomfortable to go to. It deals with issues of disappointments, passions, dreams, language we often don't use in in business. We look at at opportunities untaken. We look at, at talents unused we get out on the edge in the conversation and there's often emotion associated with that as well. So in in summary, these three things, character, connection and conversation, are really put together to guide leaders, to guide organization leaders on the areas they need to attend to, become to become that, that, that coach like leader of the future.
0: Gosh, I have a dozen questions off of that model that I want to. I want to go. Let me ask this one. This I think is intriguing. This idea of connection and a theme that you've said several times in this conversation—earning the right to be someone's trusted coach—is, I think this. I think there's still too many leaders, even with good and sincere intentions, think I've earned the right for people to to listen to what I have to say because I am quote the leader when they're dealing with this team of people who are all so very different they have different interests different skills different goals and different career aspirations a million different variables that that i think it's it's the leader's and in this, certainly in this case and it makes obvious sense in the context of of this this these dimensions these these three dimensions this idea of of, of the connection is is it's the job of the leader to really truly understand the person they are serving or they're coaching, right? I mean, cause I think most people aren't willing to do that work. And boy, how different does the workplace feel when your leader, in, in in your context, your, quote, coach, has taken the time to truly understand who you are, what you're about, what you care about, what you're trying to achieve in your career? Because I, I think most leaders aren't taking that time aren't making that effort, and that makes leadership really, really hard, Yeah.
1: I does. It does, Todd. It's a very important point you raise. It also touches a, a very sensitive personal note uh, nerve, I guess, with me because of it. Took me so long to learn exactly what you had just said. As a young leader, I just never even considered that others would have different values, different personalities, different aspirations than me. And it was it took me so long to recognize that I was not a very effective leader because I had. You know, essentially, uh, zero empathy for anybody else. Uh, and, and, and if I could leave one message with this, is you never get it entirely, and I'm, I'm still working on this, but this idea of empathy is, uh, is really, I think, not understood uh, by many leaders. I mean, we think empathy is about really understanding who another person is. What true empathy is, and I think you touched on this, is this idea that, that the leader not only knows about the other person, knows what it is like to be the other person. This is when you can, you can temporarily actually put yourself in the other person's shoes. Now, we use that term a lot, but do we really know what it means? It means to temporarily be that person, temporarily feel what they feel, fear what they fear, aspire to what they aspire to. Do we really know what that would feel like? When you start thinking that way, it's amazing how you can make connections with other people because we're very transparent. People know, they know in their heart of hearts when, when, when we really are trying to understand them for who they are. Man, I, I tell you, I wish somebody had told me that or I went to a, 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 a coaching workshop when I was 28 years old. Uh, unfortunately, it took me about 20 years to learn that.
0: Well, and another key point to what you were saying there was that this is something that never ends, right? This process never ends. I mean, if you are going to be a true master coach uh, in a business environment, or frankly, leading any kind of an organization, even the family, for goodness sakes, this is this is a process. This is a skill set that you have to continue to develop, right? I mean, this is this is, this process never ends, and and that should be looked upon as a good thing, cause that because that continues to engage and and build trust within an organization. True. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It, this the bad news is that there is really no such thing as a great coach. No such thing as a great coach. Um, in, even those wonderful men and women that we uh, ascribe the qualities of great coach to—they're normal, ordinary men and women like the rest of us who get up every morning, committed to getting on a pathway towards great coaching. It's much more about a journey, as you say, of continually learning and developing. But the cool thing about it is you don't have to wait 10 years. You don't have to wait five years. Every one of us can get up tomorrow morning and commit to seeing the best in others, having very truthful conversations with others, asking uh, other people questions that would help them, not us, in some way, encouraging others. It is this idea of great coaching. The cool thing is we can all do it. The the bad thing is, or the challenging thing is, as you say, it's a career-long endeavor.
0: Well, and like I said, that should be looked upon as a cool thing because then that 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 just adds a whole different element to the relationships you have in an organization. Well, I I could ramble on that forever. I guess what I want to do to wrap this up is is talk about how to build a coaching culture within an organization. So, someone listening to this who is beginning to see the magic in it and beginning to understand the possibilities and how it's just going to be a complete game changer within the interpersonal relationships in an organization. I, but So they want they say, all right, well, I want to begin to move this direction. I want to begin to to evolve this within our organization, so I have to bring a coaching culture into, into this organization. I don't know that it happens overnight. The, 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 the desire can happen overnight, but how do you begin to do that and how do you sustain it?
1: Well, I, there's a lot of different viewpoints of, of how you change culture, even a lot of different viewpoints in, in terms of what culture is. I like the definition that, that culture is the way we think, act, and interact. So if you take that into, into coaching, it's really we think like coaches, we act like coaches, and we interact in a coach-like way. So if you really look at a, at a, a culture that is a coach-like culture, I really believe that it really needs to start at the top. Now, there's lots of different ways you can change culture. You can start a lot of fires down below and in, low, low in the organization. You kind of start in the middle and work up and work down. But a coaching culture, if you really understand what it is, it's a culture where high performance, learning, and talent development is greatly valued, and that really needs to to start at the at the top of the house. Now, that's really the first step. Like, how many organizations uh, say human resources are our most important asset? Oh, you know, most. Really? Yeah, really? Yeah. See, here's, here's the interesting thing, is that we measure what we value in organizations and in companies. We measure margins. We measure market share. We measure sales. We measure revenue. We measure cost. We, uh, we, we measure what we value. So when senior leaders start measuring, in some way, talent, Talent development, individual performance, and then people get excited about their opportunities within the organization, then you start to lay the foundation for a coaching culture. Then, when le- senior leaders start to model this idea that every conversation holds the potential of helping people increase their performance, learn, grow, and develop, this is how a uh, shift towards a coaching culture happens. But it has to be Uh, The problem is most senior leaders, when they want to move down this this road, they talk a lot about it, and they become advocates for it. You can't become an advocate for a uh, a coaching culture. You need to be a champion. You need to be in the game. You need to be actually doing coaching and modeling coaching throughout the organization. And I can tell you, we have many clients that have made a major shift towards creating a culture of high performance and learning and development, and the results are phenomenal. It is, it, the reason being is we all can do it, and the results, the actual performance results are apparent very, very quickly.
0: Hmm. Well, think, act, and interact is almost another way to say character, connection, and conversation, yeah? Uh,
1: yes, it is, very
0: much so. <laughs> well, see, and you've, you close on a key point there in, in, in how most people traditionally measure and track all, you know, the key performance indicators and profits and shareholder value and all that kind of stuff. They think, well, if I shift to this, this uh, worrying about my people and helping them develop their, uh, their skills and, and, you know, focusing on their career acceleration and all that, I, that, 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 I'm, that, that takes the focus off, of the, off the profit goals of the organization. Well, I think they're absolutely wrong on that. It sounds like the, the data that you could present indicates that when you make this shift and, and develop a coaching culture, the numbers and the, the end results of the organization is probably better than they were before, and you have a happy, cohesive, engaged, creative team, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the misunderstandings about a coaching culture is that leaders need to be softer. It's really kind of a Pollyanna approach to leadership, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Individual personal accountability is the foundation on which all great coaching sits. And so, in fact, people are challenged more Uh, they're held to a higher standard. They're called to account for their their work much more in a coaching culture than in a non-coaching culture.
0: And the other misconception is that they think people don't want that, and they actually do, don't they? I mean, don't most people say, I want to be empowered to succeed and grow, and learn and continue to thrive, right?
1: Absolutely, the the evidence for this is in all of our lives. I mean, all we need to do is think back and the first time as a young child or a youth that somebody held us accountable for something. Somebody gave us a job and said you 're responsible for this outcome. I mean that made us feel great when we hold people accountable. The problem is accountability has a bad name in organizations we use it to uh, you know to, to find the guilty to weed out the poor performers when when accountability truly is a gift we give to somebody it says you are important it says your work is important
0: well if you are a top-down manager and you hold someone accountable, that's punitive, and that's why people resist that. When you're operating from this coaching culture mindset and and you're focusing that way, well then then it's a whole different framework that becomes a positive experience, right?
1: Absolutely, because people are setting their own goals, and people will. In a coaching culture, people set their own standards, make their own commitments, to what they want to be held accountable to, and this you're absolutely right. This is when you just send accountabilities down the organization, that really could, is a uh, just a way of being directive, as you had mentioned earlier, and is quite ineffective. When people set their own accountabilities, their own uh, targets, their own standards, then they hold themselves accountable to that.
0: Right. Right. Well, that opens up a whole nother realm of conversation because if people don't do that, well, then they're not the right fit for the organization. And that's how you can begin to discern who should be a part of the organization and who is not a good fit. All right. Well, Greg, goodness, we could talk for another seven hours on this great material, but unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions on this? How can they find you? Where can they learn more about the work being done at Bluepoint Leadership Development? And most importantly? Where can they get their hands on a copy of The Master Coach?
1: Thank you, Todd. We can be reached on uh, our website, bluepointleadership.com, and please feel free to email me directly. I uh, love hearing from people who have an interest in leadership development and coach training and coach development. Uh, I can be reached at Greg Thompson at com. And The Master Coach uh, is available uh, either through our company, uh, through many uh, of the uh, large bookstore chains, and also available on Amazon. Thank you
0: very much. All right. Greg Thompson, author of the new book, The Master Coach, Leading with Character, Building Connections, and Engaging in Extraordinary Conversations, and also the president of Blue Point Leadership Development. Greg, once again, thanks for stopping by and joining us.
1: Thanks, Todd. It's been my pleasure.
0: The pleasure has been ours. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of our guest, Greg Thompson, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up can also find us at intrepid.media and on itunes and to support the important work we do on your behalf a rating and review on itunes will help spread our work far and wide again we certainly appreciate your support now get out there be intrepid and we'll see you next time